Welcome. My name is Caleb, and you are listening to the Vitamin C Podcast. Hey guys, happy Monday. Hope you all had a decent weekend. I had an okay one. Specifically Friday was a pretty funny day. I guess it was Thursday, Friday. So Thursday, everyone got to hear Chris Pratt's Mario voice for the first time. Now, everyone was a little bit upset when they announced that Chris Pratt was going to be voicing Mario because there's a lot of good voice actors out there. And although Chris Pratt's voice acting work has actually been pretty good up to this point because he plays the lead in Lego Movie and does a good job with that, a lot of people just could not imagine him as Mario. Myself included, it was kind of hard to imagine. And the rest of the cast stacked up pretty well. They got Charlie Day as Luigi. I love Charlie Day. He's got a very funny voice. It might be annoying to some people, but I think it's perfect for Luigi. They got Jack Black to play Bowser. I think Seth Rogen's playing somebody. I'm not going to look it up right now, but I feel like that's true. So we'll count it as a fact for now. I think Seth Rogen's in the movie. Anyway, a lot of people were very curious to hear Chris Pratt's voice, and they thought it would break the internet when they finally heard his voice, and it really didn't break the internet, and I don't know why, but the people that did hear it definitely got a kick out of it, myself being one of them, because it absolutely just sounds like Chris Pratt. He had put a video out when he was announced as Mario, and he just opened it saying, hey guys, it's a me, Mario. And then he said, I'm just kidding. That's not the voice. You'll hear the voice later, but I've got the voice. And then he said in another interview that it's unlike any voice anyone has ever heard. And it literally just sounds like Chris Pratt. And it is so funny because it's like, dude, he's either delusional or he was just trolling all along, which I think is very, very funny. But hey, the movie itself looks like it's probably going to be a lot of fun. And I'm not too upset about it. Did Jared Leto play a better Mario in House of Gucci? Yes, probably. But at the same time, we got Chris Pratt. What can you do? But that was very, very funny. And then I'm a big basketball fan, so I'm not going to bore you guys with this too much. But there was a player who allegedly punched another player. Or they said he got into a physical altercation. I believe they said that there was a punch thrown. And a lot of people are wondering how it escalated to that point. And then somebody leaked the video from the practice to TMZ. And you see this player gets face to face with his own teammate and the teammate pushes him. And then he just full on swings on the guy. And it looks really, really bad. But there have been some hilarious jokes out of it. So that's pretty much my Thursday, Friday. It has been made up of funny internet jokes from Chris Pratt's Mario to Draymond Green on the Golden State Warriors punching his teammate Jordan Poole. Also, Chris Pratt put a video out yesterday about how he grew up playing Super Mario Bros and said how much he loved growing up stomping Koopas. But he had this long pause before he said Koopas and someone said, why did he pause? Like he was about to say some slur. (laughs) I don't know. It was a it was a pretty funny thing. Overall, though, look, the movie visually looks pretty interesting from the trailer they shared. And they do have a good voice cast for the movie. Chris Pratt, like him or not, think he's a good fit for Mario or not. He's still a pretty good voice actor. And he tends to bring a good charismatic presence to whoever he's playing in any show or movie. So this being Monday's episode, it's the day that I told you guys I would be talking about whatever the big movie is that released at the theaters the previous weekend or whatever big movie released on streaming. And the problem with that 
is that this weekend's releases were Amsterdam and Lyle Lyle Crocodile. And as far as streaming goes, I think there was a Netflix movie directed by Paul Feig, so I was not going to watch it. It was like two hours and 40 minutes, and I don't like his movies anyway. I'm not going to sit through over two and a half hours of one. And it didn't look very interesting to me either. Sorry, I didn't want to suffer through that for you guys. Although I respect you guys, I also respect myself, so I was not going to watch that. But with Amsterdam and Lyle Lyle Crocodile, I almost saw Lyle Lyle Crocodile just to spite Amsterdam. Now you guys might be wondering why. I'm going to tell you why I will not support Amsterdam. I will not watch the movie, and I am praying on its downfall. So perhaps you were somebody who was at a theater or was watching TV or was on YouTube and got an ad for Amsterdam, and maybe you thought it looked interesting. Maybe you were curious because of the cast of the movie, or you saw that the director's other movies were ones that you had seen and maybe liked, which probably makes you wonder, why doesn't Caleb want to watch this particular movie? The answer is simple, and it is the director, David O. Russell. I'm about to spend the next few minutes telling you guys exactly why I will not support any David O. Russell picture. Dating back all the way to the year 2000, David O. Russell has had a long history of abusive behavior on the sets of his movies. In 2000, on the set of Three Kings, David O. Russell came to blows with George Clooney one day after George Clooney confronted Russell for yelling at extras on set. George Clooney said, I told you, mother effer, if you're going to pick on someone, pick on me. David O. Russell fired back, something about Clooney not remembering his lines, and they soon came to blows. George Clooney later said that Russell was hostile on set during the entirety of shooting that film to everybody on set, whether it was a cast member, whether it was an extra, whether it was the guy bringing him coffee or a camera assistant, he was hostile towards everyone. Fast forward to 2003, where David O. Russell allegedly put, at the time, new director Christopher Nolan in a headlock at a Hollywood party. This was over the fact that Jude Law had reportedly joined Christopher Nolan's upcoming film Memento over David O. Russell's Heart of Huckabees. He allegedly demanded that Nolan give up Jude Law from his cast in the name of artistic solidarity. Jude Law ended up starring in O. Russell's movie after the incident instead of Christopher Nolan's. Next up, July 2003, on the set of this very movie, Heart of Huckabees. I'm going to read this directly from a Vulture article because I think getting the exact verbiage right is important. There's also a video you can watch on it, though there is strong language, and I will try to censor it here the best I can. In a now infamous video taken on the Huckabee set, actress Lily Tomlin expresses frustration with a constant barrage of changes being asked of her. Quote, I'm not as brilliant as you, I can't keep up with you, she quips. Russell is eventually seen sweeping props off of a desk, causing a person in the corner to cower as objects go flying. B-word, I'm not here to be effing yelled at, he shouts. I worked on this thing for three effing years, and I'm not going to have some effing C-word yell at me in front of the effing crew when I'm trying to effing help you. Russell storms on and off set, continuing to yell. A recording of the incident circulated among talent agencies that summer. According to the New York Times in 2004, Russell locked himself in his office and refused to leave after the outburst. He reportedly didn't come back to shoot until Tomlin went in to apologize. 
The Times, in an article titled Nudist Buddhist Borderline Abusive Lovin', also claims that Russell sometimes touched the Huckabee cast in private places. Allegedly, Russell grabbed Mark Wahlberg's genitals during the shoot and whispered lewdly into actresses' ears before takes. These details end up mostly overshadowed by Russell and Tomlin's explosive confrontation. Sure, I wish I hadn't done that, Russell reportedly says when asked about the meltdown, but Lily and I are fine. March of 2011, Paul Rubens alleged that Russell screamed at him at the top of his lungs on his first day working on a Jake Gyllenhaal project titled Nailed, which was later released under the working title Accidental Love in 2015. Rubens says he has no idea what led to the blowup on Russell's end and said it wasn't based in reality. And now, I believe this is the most disturbing story of all, but I don't want to say it over here because I don't want my episode to be flagged due to explicit content or anything like that. But if you are curious to read deeper, look into David O. Russell, Nicole Peliquin, that is his niece, and the story is kind of disturbing, and I would rather not say it over this one, because the story might be triggering to some people, and two, because I don't want my episode to possibly be flagged by Anchor for talking about this particular subject matter. But if you are not able to look it up, I will just tell you it's disturbing, and he essentially victim blames in it. The allegations against him, he admits to, but basically says it is the fault of the person that he did it to. Now, September 2014, Back when the Sony leaks took place, there was a leaked email from journalist Jonathan Alters, which revealed that Russell was allegedly very abusive on the set of American Hustle. At one point, he so abused Amy Adams that co-star Christian Bale had to step in and tell Russell to stop being an a-hole. Any man that is too extreme for Christian Bale on set is not to be trifled with. We'll tell you guys that. Because Christian Bale was no angel on the sets of movies. February 2015, TMZ reported that Jennifer Lawrence and Russell had a heated confrontation on the set of their movie Joy. Russell again went on a screaming, profanity-laced tirade. October 2016, Amy Adams gave some confirmation to the stories about Russell's behavior on the set of American Hustle. She said Russell was constantly screaming and that it hurt her to see how he was treating other people. She also acknowledged that she herself was brought to tears by his treatment on set. She described it as devastating. So that's the full timeline of events that I have. There might be a few more things that I'm missing, but these are some of the main ones. And although this guy has made some popular movies in Hollywood circles, I feel these stories don't really get the same traction they probably should from the general public. And I think that's due to the fact that he's not directing any franchise movies. So he's not doing Star Wars or Batman or Fast and Furious or Indiana Jones or any other major characters. So most people don't even really know who he is outside of Hollywood diehards. But I felt it would be negligence on my end if I didn't try to make you all aware of it before you go to pay money for this guy's movie. I hope you all now understand why I won't be supporting it, and I'm actually thrilled because it is getting awful reviews. Now, if you guys know me, you know that I typically do not care what anyone's opinions are on a movie outside of my own. I believe if you have interest to see a movie, you should see that movie. You should not see a movie based on the opinion of just a group of people that you've never met. 
I do have people that I trust that tend to know my taste pretty well, and I'll trust their recommendations. But if I really want to see something and someone tells me not to, I will still probably see it if I have interest in it, regardless of what people are saying. Quite frankly, there are plenty of movies that I like to love that have rotten scores on sites like Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb, Metacritic, doesn't really matter. I've been able to find enjoyment in a lot of those movies. That being said, critical reception absolutely affects box office of movies, and this movie is projected to do very poorly at the box office, which you'll love to see it. With all that being said, I just want to note how disappointed I am and so many people in the cast of this movie because everyone in Hollywood circles are well aware who David O. Russell is. They know about the allegations against him. They know how he has treated their peers on sets of movies. And although he might play favorites to some people, he has largely treated just about everyone he's worked with pretty awfully. So I was very disappointed in the cast of this movie. There are a lot of big names that I happen to be a very big fan of, and maybe you guys were even looking to check this movie out for these particular names. So I decided for this episode, instead of talking about the latest movie at the theaters, that I would instead give you movies from each of these actors that you should watch instead of Amsterdam. And I'll try and make them movies that you are less likely to have seen or heard of. Now, some of them, I've really only seen their biggest movies, so I'm only going to be able to say, yes, I love this movie from this actor. I can't do much more than that. But hopefully, I'll be able to put you on a few movies that you haven't seen because these are very good actors and they have some very good movies. So first up on the docket is Christian Bale, which breaks my heart. Great actor. I was actually a fan of him as Batman. I think actually most of the general public like Christian Bale as Batman, but there's a lot of nerds specifically on social media, Twitter, that hate Christian Bale's Batman. And I don't want to get into that entirely right now, but I will just say I think he was a good Bruce Wayne and I think he was a good Batman, although the take on the character was not a perfect adaptation. It was not a one to one adaptation. They were simply movies about a Batman character, and it was very much a hero's journey that was inspired by comics, but it was not a direct adaptation of any comics. That being said, I think he plays a great character and does a very good job in those movies for the role that he was asked to play. But everyone's seen the Batman movies just about, and if not, I think you should. Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. I think they're all great movies, although most people have soured on Dark Knight Rises. I still enjoy that movie. But Christian Bale happens to be in a lot of movies that people really like. When they do well, everyone sees them. And so there aren't a lot of lesser known movies of his that I can recommend. But two of my favorites of his that did not break the bank at the box office are The Prestige, which is directed by Christopher Nolan. Shout out to him. The Prestige is a movie about two rival magicians, the other magician being Hugh Jackman, and it has a very good cast, Michael Caine's in it, Scarlett Johansson's in it, Rebecca Hall is in it. I'm a fan of the movie overall. To say anything more about it, I feel would be giving away too much. It's definitely one that you gotta watch and just experience for yourself if you have not seen it. The other movie is Ford v. Ferrari. I think most people have seen that one, but if you have not, I think it is a very good movie, and I think Christian Bale gives a very good performance in the movie. Up next, Margot Robbie. 
interestingly, I like Margot Robbie more or less, but I really haven't seen a ton of her movies. I've seen her in Wolf of Wall Street. I've seen her in Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, and The Suicide Squad. Never saw I, Tonya, Never saw Bombshell. Never saw The Big Short. Those are all supposed to be pretty good movies. Never saw any of those. So quite frankly, I think The Wolf of Wall Street is her best movie. Then as far as the Suicide Squad movies, the most popular one is The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn. I wasn't a huge fan of that, so I can't really recommend it. I think Birds of Prey was the better film of those two. But yeah, that's Margot Robbie. If you're going to watch something, maybe watch one of the ones that I haven't seen because they're supposed to be pretty good. Otherwise, I don't know what to tell you. John David Washington. John David Washington is one of the only guys I can almost cut slack to in this movie, and that's just due to the fact that John David Washington is still a pretty fresh face in Hollywood, and so he does not have a ton of movies under his belt. But my favorite John David Washington movie is absolutely Christopher Nolan's Tenet. I'm really pushing my Christopher Nolan agenda here, but he's one of my favorite directors, if not my favorite director, and the fact that David O. Russell put him in a headlock definitely bothers me, so I'm going to prop up as many of his movies as I can right now as I'm talking about these other actors. So Tenet, it's not for everyone. It's a bit of an acid trip of a movie, but I think it's a pretty cool sci-fi action spy movie. It can be hard to follow, but I think the vibes take precedence over the actual plot your first time watching it. To me, I just enjoyed the ride. And on rewatch, I was able to pick up on all the details where I really like got everything. But overall, it's a vibes movie. You just vibe with it. The soundtrack is awesome. They're in slick suits. It's beautifully shot. And I find John David Washington to actually be pretty charismatic in the movie, despite the fact that people had complained that he was stiff. I strongly disagreed. I really liked his character. And I love Rob Pattinson in the movie as well. Mike Myers. He was definitely a surprising name to see for this movie. I'll just say watch Shrek. Shrek's good. Or watch Shrek 2. Or watch Shrek 3. Don't watch Shrek 4 if you have the choice. It's not that good. Even Shrek 3 is not that great. But Shrek 1 and 2 are pretty elite. Or watch Austin Powers. Whatever. Just don't watch this movie. Timothy Oliphant. I'm a huge fan of his. I was also surprised to see him in this movie because he is a guy who has turned down roles throughout the years because he never wanted to be that big. He never wanted to be a lead man necessarily. Now it's also possible he never really got offered those roles, but I happen to think he's a pretty good actor and probably just has turned down a lot of roles throughout his career. However, one of his lead roles that I'm a big fan of and is very fitting for the Halloween season is The Crazies, which I believe is a remake of an older horror film. But I'm a big fan of The Crazies. He basically plays the sheriff in this small town where people start acting, well, quite frankly, crazy. But it's essentially this big outbreak of some type of disease or sickness that makes people go insane and violent. And it's pretty scary. It's a pretty suspenseful movie. And I think he is really good in it. It may not be for everyone, but I think as far as Halloween movies go, it's absolutely worth a watch. I think it's a pretty good movie. And then he's also in Rango very briefly, which Rango is a movie that I absolutely love. I love the director of the movie. It is a beautifully shot movie. It is very funny. It has great action, especially for an animated movie. And I think it's just a really, really beautiful animated film. It's just great. Michael Shannon, another guy that I was just shocked to see in this movie. 
I'm going to plug Man of Steel because it was written and produced by Christopher Nolan. And then I'll also plug Bullet Train, which is a pretty new movie that I had a ton of fun with. Saw it a couple times at the cinema, and I think he is very good in the movie. I guess it's kind of a spoiler if you haven't seen it that he's in the movie. But chances are you aren't going to the theater thinking, I wonder if Michael Shannon is in this movie or not. But yes, he does play a character that you don't see until the third act of the movie. And he is very good in his brief role. And actually, if I'm going to talk about Bullet Train a bit more, just for a second, it is one of the most stylish movies that I have watched this entire year. The soundtrack works perfectly with the visuals and the editing. It plays out a little bit like a Guy Ritchie movie, which I love Guy Ritchie's movies. And the scene that introduces you to Michael Shannon's character, he's wearing a mask so you can't see his face, but it is such a cool scene. It's just a beautiful, beautiful scene. Wonderful cinema. Next up, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, disappointed in her as well. You could watch Split. It's a good movie. I guess it's fitting for the Halloween season because it's a pretty tense thriller. You could also watch Glass. A lot of people didn't like Glass. I happen to love Glass. Or you could watch The Northman, which came out earlier this year, and she is good in the movie. She's not the focus of the movie, but she is good in the movie. Chris Rock. I liked when he got slapped by Will Smith. Outside of that, Madagascar 2, good movie. Also, I found the movie Death at a Funeral with him and Martin Lawrence to be pretty funny. I believe it was a remake of a classic, and so people didn't like the remake as much. But I found the movie pretty funny overall. I haven't watched in years, though. Remy Malik. I'm going to be real with you guys. I'm not the biggest fan of Remy Malik. I actually don't even know how good of an actor he actually is. I've heard he's very good on the show, Mr. Robot. I believe you. I'm just never going to watch it. As far as movies go, I haven't really been too crazy over a ton of his movies. I really like the James Bond movie, No Time to Die. I actually love No Time to Die, and he plays the villain in that. I don't know if the movie's good because of him or if it's good in spite of him. I think he's okay. He's perfectly okay in the movie. But I've seen him in a few other projects where I just, I don't know. I don't get the hype. I really don't. He's also in the Need for Speed movie with Aaron Paul, which I have not watched since high school, start to finish. But I watched it when it first came out. And I remember thinking that it was actually okay. And I was a little surprised that everyone hated it so much. And I thought maybe they were just comparing it to the Fast and Furious movies. I rewatched like the last half hour of it on TV, probably about a year ago. And I still thought it was okay from what I watched. I thought it was a decent movie. There's cool cars in it. It has a good soundtrack. I like Aaron Paul. So it might not be a good movie, but it might be worth checking out if you have nothing better to do. Zoe Saldana. So she's actually in quite a few movies that I really like, but most of them are pretty mainstream. She's in the first parts of the Caribbean. And then she's in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. And I guess she's also in the Justin Lin Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond. I really like the Abrams ones. But a movie of hers that I want to recommend, and it's one that is not as popular that I happen to really like, is Ben Affleck's Live by Night. It's Live by Night, fun fact, was shot in a city, Lawrence, Massachusetts, and I was actually living there at the time that they were shooting it. We walked by the set just about every day for a couple months. And then when I saw it had not great reviews, I was a little disappointed because most of Ben Affleck's movies were critically acclaimed films and were contending for Oscars. And so this one did not come out to the strongest reviews, but I happen to really enjoy it. Allegedly, 
there's like a three or four hour director's cut of the movie. And I could believe that because it happens over a very long period of time. But I think for what it is, it's a really cool, stylish movie. I think it tells a really cool story. It's very much a gangster prohibition era film, but I think that it is a solid movie. I'm just a fan of Ben Affleck's directing style, I guess. I'm a fan of him as an actor, and Zoe Saldana is good in the movie as well. Next up, Andrea Risenborough. She's actually not a very big name. I just saw her in the cast, and she's in a movie that I happen to love, so I figured I would plug that movie while I'm here. So she is in the movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. If you're unfamiliar with Joseph Kaczynski, he shot Tron Legacy, he shot Only the Brave, and Top Gun Maverick. So those are three movies that I really, really like. And I think if you like Tron Legacy, and you like Tom Cruise, or can at least tolerate Tom Cruise, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan myself. I don't know about all the Scientology business. I don't really care. He makes good movies, good enough to where I've considered converting to Scientology. But Oblivion is this post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie where essentially Tom Cruise plays a character named Jack Harper, and him and Andrea Risenborough's character are stationed on planet Earth while they're harvesting the last of Earth's resources as they prepare to go to Titan, which is a moon off of Saturn which is where the humans resettled to after basically this entire nuclear war with this alien race. The movie had mixed reviews from critics, but pretty positive reviews from the general audience. And I've talked to a lot of people that not only like this movie, they love this movie. It is one of their favorite sci-fi movies ever. Some people complain that there are too many sci-fi cliches in the movie, but I happen to like that. Sci-fi is my favorite genre, so the more sci-fi stuff in it, the better. And overall, I just thought it was a really, really cool movie. Not just that, if you like Tron for its visual aspect, Oblivion very much carries the same visual style. And then if you like the soundtrack to Tron Legacy, which was by Daft Punk, you might dig this soundtrack. It is not by Daft Punk, but this one is by M83, who I'm a fan of M83. And I think it has one of the coolest, most unique soundtracks for a blockbuster that I've ever heard. So of all the movies that I'm recommending here, there are some that I really, really love, but this is definitely one of those that I love. And I have met people that either just were meh, didn't really care for it, or that loved it. I haven't really met anyone that hated it. I've met people that thought it was okay, or that really, really liked it. And I'm in the camp of really, really liked it. At times, it goes in and out of my top 10 movies. It's for sure in my top five sci-fi movies, excluding like Star Wars and stuff, which obviously kind of takes up a lot of spots in that top five. I'm talking about independent movies. I'm talking about movies that are independent of franchises, but this is one of my favorite original sci-fi movies. And a very cool thing about it is that the director, Joseph Kaczynski, originally pitched it to Disney because he had written his own graphic novel that he wanted to transfer to the big screen. And Disney said, okay, you can do it, but it has to be rated PG. And he said, uh, I need a PG-13 rating. And they said, it has to be PG and this will be your budget. And so then he went and pitched his graphic novel to Universal and said, hey, this is the movie. This is what I want to do with it. 
and they gave him a huge budget and let him have a PG-13 rating and essentially run wild with the movie. And although the movie was not the biggest hit at the box office or in terms of critical reception, I think that there were a few producers around Hollywood who probably saw that movie and said, we got to get this guy working for us. And then years later, we got Top Gun Maverick, which in my opinion is still the best movie of 2022. And you should not take that lightly because I have seen very, very many movies this year. But that is just how highly I think of Top Gun Maverick. And I think most people actually would agree that it is one of the best of the year, if not the best. But anyway, I would absolutely recommend checking out Oblivion if you have not seen it. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll love it. Maybe you won't care for it, but it's worth a shot. Okay, lastly, Robert De Niro, Shark Tale. I'm going to have to edit out the last so many seconds because I was cracking up at myself pretty bad. I do like Shark Tale. It's far from a great movie and it's far from being Robert De Niro's best movie. But I just thought the idea of saying that over all of his other movies that are all Oscar contenders would be pretty funny. But Robert De Niro, a ton of his movies, especially from his earlier career, were Oscar contending movies. As far as movies in recent years, his film The Irishman, which was a Netflix original directed by Martin Scorsese, I thought that was a very good movie. It's three and a half hours though, and it's very much a drama, a gangster crime drama. So if you can sit through that, great. It's a very, very well-made film, but if not, Maybe just look into some of his older work because he's got plenty of good movies back then. Raging Bull being one of those good fellas, king of comedy, taxi driver. But that's Robert De Niro. I'm not even the biggest fan of his, but he is a legend. He's got plenty of great movies, and that's why I don't understand why he would work with someone like David O. Russell. It just seems to me that a lot of these people do not care in Hollywood, and that is kind of a sad thing. Actually, not lastly, there's one more. Taylor Swift. This is what bothers me, by the way. There's a few people in this movie that always speak out on social issues, and yet you're working with David O. Russell. Because I know that your moral code is like a bad joke. Dropped at the first sign of a good paycheck, and that is rather disappointing to me. Taylor Swift, though, I'm actually a big fan of hers. I know some people are not. Some people live to hate on her. I don't get it. But if you want to watch a movie that she is in over this one, she was in Cats. It's not a good movie, but she was in Cats. She was in The Giver. Most people didn't like The Giver. I happen to like The Giver. She's in it very briefly. And she also does voice acting for The Lorax, which again, not a great movie, but it's okay. A couple catchy songs in it nonetheless. And Dane DeVito's in it, so you can't really entirely go wrong with that one. Or you could just watch her Long Pond studio session on Disney Plus for her Folklore album. And I thought that was actually a very good watch. But that's it. That's the cast of this movie. And I give you these recommendations with these actors. In case you like these actors and want to watch a movie with them, these are ones that you can watch instead of having to go see Amsterdam at the theater. Although I'm sure not many of you were planning to anyway. I'm just giving you some alternatives, and some of these alternatives happen to be some of my favorite movies. But that's just about it for today. I'm sorry that I couldn't give you a brand new movie to talk about, but next Monday, I should be talking about Halloween Ends, if all things go well. And then the weekend after will most likely be 
The Rock's Black Adam. In the meantime, you'll be able to tune in to the second edition of Double Weenie Wednesday and Final Girl Friday this week, and I'm hoping I can give you guys some good recommendations there as well. I appreciate you guys tuning in, and I can't wait to talk to you later.